Let me just open up with quick prayer. Lord God, we come before you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, our almighty and powerful Savior. We thank you, Lord God, that you have come to us, uh, maybe not in the glamour and the prestige that we may have predicted, but in the form of a baby boy who grew up and then eventually was suffered and died for us. We thank you that you have saved us through his death and through his resurrection. Fill each and every one of our hearts tonight with your Holy Spirit, that we may look to Christ tonight and, and see your face in his. Teach us and direct us in all of our ways. In Jesus' name, amen. What is the craziest thing you have ever asked God for? I mean, the absolute craziest. Like, not like a little bit crazy, but like the thing that you're like, there is no way anyone else would ever possibly ask for something like this, but I'm going to ask because I, 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 I just, I've got to ask. Now, maybe you're here and you haven't ever asked God for anything. You've never prayed before, um, and you're just exploring the Christianity thing. But for those of us who have been walking with Christ for a while, actually, we ask God for a lot of crazy things. So just take a moment, if you've ever asked God for something crazy, just bring it to mind, think about it for a second. I don't know how crazy it was, but it was probably way less crazy than what James and John asked Jesus for in this passage. <laughs> like, James and John, wow. I mean, they are not called the sons of thunder for no reason. Uh, they come and they ask Jesus for something that is truly, actually crazy. But the thing is, before we kind of go to the part where Jesus corrects some of what they ask for, it's really important for us not to miss what they actually get right when they come to Jesus. Because we can read this and we can think that this passage is all about how James and John get it wrong. But actually, they get a few things right. The first thing that they get right is they go to the right person. They go to Jesus Christ. They've got a crazy request and they know who to take it to. They're gonna go to Jesus. They want power and so they go to Christ for power. That's what they want and they know that to have power they've gotta ask Jesus for it. And Jesus is going to have power and not only do they go to the right person for power, they also actually, I mean, they are bold, right? Can we, can we give credit? to where credit is due. I mean, this is a bold request. And when we go to Christ, we actually should go with the kind of boldness that James and John go to with Jesus. They are not willing to hold anything back, anything that they want. And if you look at how they ask, boldness is maybe even an understatement. I mean, did you see that? They're like, so Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask for. I don't know if you've ever had children ask you something like this, but they haven't told you what's coming yet. You know it's going to be something. It's going to be real something. And Jesus, he doesn't say no. He does what we all do. And we say, well, what do you want exactly? And they say, 
Well, Jesus, when you come in your kingdom, one of us wants to sit on the left, one of us wants to sit on the right. And in case we miss this, what they are asking for is when Jesus is king over the entire universe, over all of the world, one of them wants to be second in command and one of them wants to be third in command, right? So God, James, and John, all right? That's what they're asking for, all right? It is pretty, pretty crazy, but that's what they're asking for. That is a level of boldness that is really hard to rival. But it goes even beyond that. And so Jesus says, well, do you even know what you're asking for? Can, can you drink the same cup that I'm drinking? But before we get to that, we need to also note that they do get something else right. Jesus Christ will come in glory. We were singing about how Jesus Christ offered his life for us, and there is a day, not just when he died on the cross for us and when he rose from the dead, but there is a day appointed, and when that day comes, he is coming to this world, and he is setting up a perfect and eternal kingdom that will never end and will never fade. He is coming in glory. And in fact, the, the scriptures talk about it'll be like the heavens will open up and then light will like just blow through the sky and there'll be angels and then all of his people will be coming with him. I mean, glory is almost an understatement for Jesus's arrival. So they get these things right. But see, they also get a few things wrong. Um, and to start with, they miss something. They miss something about power. What they get wrong about power is that you can't have power without participation. So he, they said, we want to sit on your right and your left, and Jesus says to them, do you even know what you're asking for? Do you know what you're asking for? Can you drink the cup that I'm drinking? Can you be baptized into the baptism that I'm being baptized into? And they're like, oh, well, sure, of course we can, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not sure they fully understood yet exactly what that meant, but they thought they could do it. They, I mean, talk about swagger, but they had it. And they were there. But what they get wrong is that they think, and this is where Jesus corrects them, and he says, you're asking me for power, but what you don't understand is that true power will always require you to participate in the mission and the will and the goodness of God. You cannot have real power without a participation in what Jesus' own mission and his own life involves. And what that is about to involve, because they are getting close to Jerusalem and Jesus coming as the king, it's going to be suffering. It's going to mean death and, and sacrifice. And in case this was missed, he'll return and he'll say it again later. You cannot have power without a participation in Christ's suffering and in his missions. But you also can't have some, you can't have the power that James and John are asking for without something else, predestination. And what this means is that what they're asking for is something you actually can't earn. You can't, you can't earn being second in command and third in command of Jesus' eternal kingdom. That's something God has already established, it's already been arranged, and it was arranged by grace. We can't earn it. I was thinking as I was thinking about this message, I wonder who these people are actually going to be. I wonder who they're going to be. They're probably people we've never heard of. Who knows, maybe they're James and John. Be really hilarious. <laughs> um, but Jesus, 
He wants to make clear that the power that they're asking for cannot be had without a participation in his mission and in his sufferings, but it also cannot be had without God's grace. And we might skip ahead and we might think, you know what, actually, James and John, this is just for them. But what Jesus' answer does, actually, is invite all of us into the same opportunity to have the power of Jesus Christ. Because when he says, his answer is not, no, you won't have it. What he actually says is, in fact, you will drink my cup and you will be baptized with the baptism I've been baptized with. I mean, James was the first of the apostles to be killed. And John, they did try to kill a few times, but it never took. So uh, there's, a, there's a great like, story about them trying to boil him alive in oil, and then he just wouldn't die. And so they're like, fine, go be exiled to an island. At least you'll be out of our hair. Uh, and when we look at this, we can just think this is just James and John because, you know, they're apostles. They're, they're great people. But I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not James and John. I, I can't get to that scale of whatever they are. But as I was sort of giving a version of this message at the communion service earlier today, what struck me as I sat down and prepared to take communion was that this is a call and an invitation for all of us because every single one of us who have been baptized into the church have been baptized into Christ's baptism. And any one of us who come to the communion table that comes to the front on Sundays and on Wednesdays, we drink Jesus' cup. It's an invitation to all of us. We can have the eligibility for the power that Christ is talking about. And in fact, being a Christian and following him will always mean participating in his life, in his sufferings, in his mission, in his death. But Jesus also reveals something about power that, that is not just an invitation into a participation in Christ's work and into a, 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 an amazing opportunity to receive and experience grace. Jesus also reveals a bunch of things about power. What he reveals is that actually only God is in power. There's only one person in power in the entire universe, and it is God. This is what he says. Look at this. So the, the ten get all upset with James and John. They're like, what? You tried to get to the head of the line before us? This is not fair. How come we didn't? Oh, we, and they're all upset with James and John wanting to be second and third in command. And Jesus summons them. Jesus is the king. He says, all right, you all come on. We're holding court. And then there he is, and they're all saying, he says, you know that those who think themselves to rule over the nations dominate and abuse their power. Did you catch that? He's like, the people who think they rule the nations. Christ is saying here, there is only one true ruler of all of reality, and it is God, the triune, holy God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is no other true ruler. Anyone else who thinks that they are the ruler is wrong. But he also shows us, as he mentions this, that power can be misused and abused. 
But paradoxically, it disconnects you from actual power because the, they are saying, oh, you know, we've got the power so we can oppress people. We've got the power so I can, you know, be in charge and dominate other people. I've got the power. We've got the power. That's what the people who are thinking they're ruling the nations have. But what actually happens, and this is quite something, is they actually end up disconnecting themselves from power altogether. See, because power is a lot like electricity, which is conveniently, occasionally also named power. But are there any, like, electrical engineers here in the room? Somebody who knows about electrical circuits? Wow, we, we'll need to get an electrical engineer or two in our church, apparently. So forgive my very layman's terms and very poor, probably wrong explanation. But basically, if you've ever worked with electrical wires and it's got power running through the wire and you're trying to do a circuit, if you cross the wires over, you short the circuits. And if you short the circuits, even though power might have still flowed through, it's not actually achieving the purpose that the circuit was designed for. And in fact, when you short a circuit, they will kind of sometimes explode and uh, catch fire, and bad things happen, people die. So the same thing, <laughs> the same thing happens when we think that earthly power works that way, that we can just use it however we want it. But Jesus says church in the power is different. Power in the church is different. Not that it could be different, not that it would be different, not that it, but that it is different. Because the only true power in the church is power that is shaped like the power of Jesus Christ. So if it looks like domination, if it looks like oppression, it is not the power of Jesus Christ. Power in the church it's radically different, and this is a privilege that Christ has given to us. He's invited us into a participation in his sufferings and into his power, but what that means is that we have the opportunity to reveal what real power looks like to the world. And so he says, this is what it should be like with us. Whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be slave of all. That's radical language. But that's because power cannot be separated from its purpose. That's what Jesus teaches us here. Power cannot be separated from its purpose. And the purpose of power is empowerment. When we think about having power and God giving us power or responsibility or authority in any particular area of life, maybe it's at your job, maybe it's some, some ministry here at church, maybe it's in your family, whatever that little thing is or big thing is, all of it exists for a purpose, and the purpose, believe it or not, is not you and me. But it's about an opportunity that God has given to you and me and all of us as a church to empower other people and to invite them into a participation into the power of Jesus Christ. But it also means that not only can you not separate power from its purpose, power cannot be separated from its costs, which is sacrifice, self-sacrifice. That's why Jesus ends this little section by saying, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If any one of us thinks that we can have power without it meaning that we sacrifice ourselves for the good of others, what we want and what we have is not really power. 
because of the power of Jesus Christ. It's a love so radical. It's a grace so phenomenal. It's an opportunity to participate in suffering so beautiful that you're willing to die. And I think sometimes in the church and in our lives, we think what we, what we need is power. But there's a danger to the way power kind of plays itself out in the world and in our lives. And that, and that danger is that if we don't have power, we constantly want it and we think that, and we try to source our value from having power in society or from our relationships or in some particular category, wealth or property or education or whatever it happens to be. And if you don't have it, you're frustrated and, you're, and you feel insecure because your value is tied up with it. But if you're wealthy, you have, you have the same problem because now you have to hold on to the power that you've got. Otherwise, who are you anymore? And I think the challenge for many of us today is to find our deep identity in Jesus Christ and to, and to step into the invitation that he brings to each one of us here today, which is an invitation to participate in his mission of giving his life for the good of others. That's what the power that's the paradox of power. The paradox of power looks exactly like the cross in Christ's resurrection. And the opportunity for each one of us in our lives today is to say, how can we use the power God has entrusted us with for the betterment of other people? How do I use my job? How do I use my, my situation in my family? How do I use my gifts? How do I use my talents? How do I use my wealth? How do I use these things? Not for me, but for the glory of God and the good of others. I'm going to pray. And I think... I just want us, after I'm finished praying, to take a moment in silence and ask God, because I think every one of us here, whether we feel disempowered and whether we've been oppressed in the world, God has given us some power and responsibility in our life. Let's just bring it to him and say, God, do with it as you will. How can I use this for, for the good of others, not simply for myself? So Lord God, we, we just come and we say before you, the power and the glory are yours for now and forever. Thank you for inviting us, Lord Jesus, to participate in your cup of suffering, in your baptism into the mission of God. Thank you for inviting us to participate in giving our lives and serving others as you served us and gave your life for us. Thank you for calling us into something so radical, so beautiful, and so desperately needed in the world. Lord God, I pray that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit to serve as you've served and love as you've loved and give as you've given. Thank you for your grace, and we pray this prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.